Welcome to Real Estate Unscripted, where each week we connect no-nonsense, let's-get-it-done realtors and lenders from across the country who want to grow our businesses and stay motivated with timely topics and experts in our field. I'm your host, Marjorie Adam. Let's get started. So today on the show, I'm so excited to have Tony Markland with Alcova Mortgage. Tony, thank you so much for joining me today. Absolute pleasure. Thank you so much for having us. We're really excited to be here. So let me tell you guys a little bit about Tony. So I've gotten to speak with Tony for a few minutes and I'm super excited. You're going to hear from him today because he is someone who cares about his team and he cares about relationships. He understands the relationships are the core of everything. So he has been with Alcova since 2009. He has been a lender for 20 years. He does a ton of business, but what? That's not his focus. So we're not going to worry about his numbers, but let me assure you, they are amazing. And what he's most proud of is he has a team, including him of five people. And so I want to start a little bit with Tony's story because I think his story will absolutely resonate with all of you. I know it does with me. My story is very similar in many ways, Tony, that you don't know, but I want you to take them back to 2004. And here's why. I think anyone looks at a successful person like you and thinks, it's just been easy, right? Like you just got lucky because what they miss is the journey. They don't know the journey. They see you here and they think you had no tough times. Take us back to 2004. What happened then? Well, a lot of people see successful people and they don't understand that success is made up of a lot of mistakes along the way. That's how you get there, guys. If you're not successful, you're not making mistakes. I promise you that. But we'll go back to 2004 when I got into the mortgage business and I had no idea what I was doing. I had a friend of mine asked me to do it. And I got sick of where I was in a car dealership of babysitting people. And I said, I don't know what a HUD is, blah, blah, blah. But I trusted this guy. He goes, I'll hold your hand every step of the way. You'll do great. And if I had known when I got into it, what it was going to be like, I probably wouldn't have gotten into it. So I'm glad I didn't know what it was going to be like, because I did one deal in six months and it was tough. But things picked up and everybody remembers back then it was wild, wild west. If you could fog a mirror, you could get a loan. That's all it was. I was doing nothing but BCD paper, two-year, 228 arms, IO, no docs, CISA, all that stuff. If you guys were around back there, you know what I'm talking about. But it was a train wreck. Anything went. So I did that for a few years. And then, of course, I had no idea the time bomb that was building. I had no clue what was going on in the market, why it worked the way it did. But the escalation and the home values and the loan programs were just like I said, it was a train wreck and it was a time bomb waiting to happen. And as everybody knows, it did explode. And then we were talking earlier, and this is true stuff, guys. People would ask me about Fannie and Freddie. I thought they were people. I had no idea who they were. A VA loan, I thought it was a loan in Virginia. FHA, they were just letters. I had no idea what they were. It was just the junk stuff. So I had to learn real quick how to try to do things the right way. Had no idea what I was doing, no direction, no nothing. I'm really resourceful. So I would call a bunch of people and kind of learn, pick pieces up, put them together when I could. So I did okay for a little while. But as you all know, it got progressively worse. All the lenders I was using, they shut down. And it got really, really tough, really, really quick. And it got to a point where nobody saved the money back then. Everybody had boats and cars and houses and all this stuff. We didn't go that route, but... We were not good stewards, and I'll get into that in a little bit. We did not manage our money well. We were horrible with what we were blessed with, and that's part of the story. But getting back to you know where we ended up, it got really, really bad. I tried to get back out of the business, back into the car business where it was all nice and comfy and insulated, and I knew what I was doing. I was being turned down for jobs. I was like 10 times overqualified for 
I am a believer. I'm saved by my Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. God bless him. He put up with me this long. But we're having some serious blowout fights. I was like, what are you doing? I'm trying to get out of this. When things get to a point where you can't take it, you're supposed to make changes and get to where you can do things. And I'm trying here and every door is shutting in my face. I really appreciate it if you stop doing that. And it just kept on and kept on and kept on. And one thing I remember very, very vividly is every month, somehow, some way, I would get just enough to make the mortgage, just enough. I'm, I'm talking about nothing left over. And I grew up in church and I remember the story of the children of Israel in the wilderness. And this resonates. I can just see it now. They were in the wilderness for 40 days and 40 nights and how God basically gave them provisions every day. It rained manna every day. And that's all they got. They got just enough for that day. And he said, hey, I see you guys over there trying to pick it up and put it in your pockets and your bags. You don't trust me here. So you try to take any extra. For tomorrow, I'm going to spoil it because you need to rely on me, nothing but me every day. And you don't think about tomorrow. That's the kind of trust that you need. And that's the kind of trust I had to have because that's exactly what he did. He gave us enough for that month. That was it. So again, we were having it out and it went on for about a year and things progressively got better and better. And of course, I knew what was going on and I got to the point where it's like, let's see what he's going to do this month. I would do what I thought I was supposed to do and things would work out. And again, it was about a year, a little over a year. And then I was constantly praying, hook me up with the right people. I need to learn. So I got hooked up with this mortgage company in town on a recommendation of a friend who I still today is a very, very dear friend. She actually works with Alcova, but I kind of linked on with them and it was like, that was the connection I needed. Now I got to learn USDA just wasn't on meat packages. Fannie and Freddie are not people. They're these agencies. And if you have good loans and you run them through FHA, VA, it's a great loan. And it's in all 50 states, right? So progressively, I got better and better. And I was about a year and a half there. You know, that's where I cut my teeth and I really learned. And then I came over to Alcova in December of 09. And it's just gotten better and better and better. And the big takeaway is this. It's like I didn't understand what was going on at the time, but I was being stripped down. I was being totally taken apart, totally humbled. I mean, absolutely groveling. My dignity was gone, but God was stripping us down to nothing. And there was one also very important part. We kept continued to tithe. I don't know how we did it. And our pastor got word of it and he gave us our $500 check back. And he goes, I know what's going on. You need this more than we do, Tony. Go take care of your family. And he said this. He's not one of these prophecy people running on stages and all that crazy stuff, but very good man of God. I still am friends with him to this day. He looked at us. He goes, here's your check. And he goes, I don't know where this came from. I don't know why, but I'm just telling you, I've got this overwhelming feeling in my heart. God is going to bless you guys beyond your comprehension. I don't know how. I don't know when. I'm just telling you eh, at that time, one year, not the other. I was like, thank you. My family is hungry. I have no gas in my car. The mortgage needs to be paid. Rick, thank you very much. But looking back, what God was doing is he was stripping us down to nothing. We were terrible with what we had. We were terrible with money. We were terrible with business. And he had a plan. He knew that eventually he was going to raise us up one day, not just for ourselves, okay, but for the team that I have now for the referral partners that we have we're serving. And 
for just everybody we touch. Guys, it's a ripple. When you impact someone's life, that creates a ripple. And then that allows them to go impact someone's life. So it's not just you. It's not just me. It's everything we touch and everything we do. Any good we can create, it has this ripple effect. And I know for a fact, looking back now, that's what he was doing. He was preparing us to put us in a place because he's not going to give you something that you can't handle. He's not going to give you something that you can't manage properly. So he was building us up to create the capacity to be able for us to do this one day. We're extremely blessed. And again, now I'm not just working for me and my family like it was back then. Now I have a team of people that I'm responsible for. And I relish in that fact. So it keeps us sharp, keeps us all moving in the right direction. And I'm just so, so thankful for the hell that I was put through. And looking back, I don't know who wrote it. I know it's a really famous thing. It was the best of times and it was the worst of times. But I can tell you, I'm so thankful that I was put through that grind because it's helped make us what we are today. Well, I think you go through something like that. So your faith is evident, right? So I think your faith is clear and strong, but there's also faith without continued work, right? You also didn't stop, right? You went to work every day. You worked hard. You had faith, but you put also a lot of effort and work and you continued forward. I think a lot of people get faced with something like that. And there's also fear, like you work through faith and love. You didn't let fear stop you. And you continued to adapt and listened to the message you were given. And I think a lot of people didn't make it through then because of excuses, right? Like, oh, it's the market. It's this, right? Even now you hear people, oh, it's too hard. It's like, it's got to be hard. It can't always be easy, right? And so there's the easy times and there's the hard times. And I think when you go through those times, we too, in the early 2000s, there was a lot of crying and a lot of debt and a lot of questions, right? And I think that it was also a lesson. Like we went through a lesson. I learned a valuable lesson, right? About all kinds of things. And so did you. So I think that you made it through that and you are where you are now as a testament to your faith, but it's also who you are in the work and the team and the people around you, right? That you are blessed. We talked about this. You have a team of five, right? And we're going to get a little into the power of team in a little bit. But one thing that you mentioned to me as we started to is you were super proud of five-star white glove service, right? And providing a great experience. So let's talk about what's most important to you and what you do. Well, to me, the most important thing is connecting with people and not having them think that I care, okay? I want them to know that I care. That's a big difference. This isn't a facade, guys. You either care or you don't, and people can sniff that out. So when I'm talking to clients, I try to have the initial contact every time because I want them to know, hey, I'm vested in this. And the first thing I say is, you know, we do the application. And I said, once I get that, I'll have all the information I need for the structure stuff. But once I have that information, then we can get down to the nuts and bolts because it's going to be really important to me to know what's really important to you. And that's when we can have a conversation. Hey, guys, what are you trying to accomplish here? This right here, this has changed the course of so many loans. How long do you plan on staying in the home? That right there is a very, very key question. You know, you've got all kinds of things right now. We're in an extremely high rate environment. And how long somebody's going to stay in a home can very well dictate what we do, what we don't do, the money down, points come up. Everybody thinks, oh, it's a 30-year fixed. It's vanilla as a day is long. No, it's not. Because the loan may be vanilla, but this person's situation is not. Because it's exclusive to them as their fingerprint. I tell people all the time. So we need to understand what you're trying to accomplish. 
And I can't tell you how many directions loans have changed when people really tell me what's important and what's not important. Down payment is huge. People think mortgage insurance is the devil. If you've got a 740 credit score, mortgage insurance is cheap as dirt, and it's a phenomenal tool to help people keep their money and put it over here in this account or that account and build wealth over years and years and years. People think that it's just, I don't know where it is on the internet or whatever. A lot of it is granddad and dad telling you because when mortgage insurance were quadruple what it is today, people would avoid it like the plague. But there are so many financial tools and so many perspectives that go into a loan that again, people don't understand. They think they understand, but they really don't understand the two biggest jobs we have. Number one is to care. You can't teach that. You have to educate and advise. So these people need to understand what their options are. I tell them all the time, my job is to make sure I lay out to you all of your options so you have a clear path to an educated decision. And I don't care what institution it would be, but they're just rate jockeys. They're just, yeah, I can get you this rate. Let's go. 20% down. Perfect. That's an easy loan. They're not going to dive into the details, strip it down. So when I have a 30-minute conversation with somebody versus the three-minute conversation they had with the person they had before, where they're just throwing a rate out there, closing costs would be 10 grand and yeah, I need five and a half. And I'm not just saying this. I know it because they tell me this. Why didn't so-and-so break this down like that? Why didn't so-and-so say that was an option? I don't know. I'm just letting you know it's my job to educate you and advise you of all of your options because what's important to you is important to me. This is a huge decision. We have to do what's best for you and your family. So that's the crux of it. And that's not something you pretend to do. You can pretend for a little while, but eventually it's going to wear off. It's just like a relationship. Eventually, the true colors will come out. It will show. So when people finish that initial conversation with me, they're like, wow, that's awesome. And now what have I done? I've built trust. Yep. And now I have become an expert because I've asked all these questions and I've opened up the realm of possibility. And they're like, wow, I never would have thought it. If I had a dime for every time somebody said, I never thought, what's well, my job to think about it? It's my job for you to know that. Do we do it? That's not my decision. That's your decision. But you guys can tonight or tomorrow or whatever, take some time and think about this stuff. And it is a strategy. A mortgage is more than a payment, guys. It's a strategy. A rate is more than number. It's a strategy. So you have to understand all the implications and all the layers that go involved. And when I finish talking to somebody, I'll tell you one thing they will know is they know I care. That's for sure. So that's really your superpower, wouldn't we say? Yeah, I would say so. I care. And again, there's no mistake in that because I've been on the other side of too many things where I'm them. Like I want them to, at the end of this thing, go, I bought three houses in my life. I bought 10 houses in my life. This is the first house I've ever bought in my life. I will never, ever call anybody but Tony and Marjorie ever again. It's the best experience I've ever had. And I'm going to go tell all my friends and all my family about it. So the key isn't to get the referrals. That's what comes because of it. You're not doing it to get referrals. You're doing it because it's the right thing to do. But because you do it the right way and at a very, very high level, you're going to get the referrals. And that's just how it works. Agreed. Most of your business is completely referral-based business through your past clients, through some business partners like your realtors and your CPAs, mm -hmm. right? And that's yeah. because you do care. 
But I also think we'd be remiss to not talk about the power of your team. I think that is something that is the most misunderstood, whether it be other lenders, realtors, or the general public, what the team really means, that it's not just a bunch of people so that we frankly don't have to talk to them. I think they think it's this insulation so that we have to work less, which always makes me laugh as having a team. I've hired more people. I still work really hard. So tell me like the power of your team. Let's talk about that. Well, I've heard people tell me this. Well, they started with me, but then they passed me off. Yes. Yes. They passed me off. I was like a football and I just got to hand it off. Do we hand people off? We do hand people off, but we hand people off very caringly, very warmly with an introduction and always, always, always guys, if you can't reach Kristen, you have my cell phone. You feel free to call me anytime. So the reason I do this is I put an email out once all of this conversation has taken place, the contract is in place, we've talked about the strategy, we've talked about the loan amount, we've talked about everything, the rate, you name it. An email goes off to them and Kristen with this type of introduction. Hey guys, Kristen, you, you got to promise me something, okay? She's amazing. So at the end of this, you got to promise you won't forget about me. That's actually in the email because she is. So when I have a team member who outshines me, I've done my job. Exactly. I want to be outshined. I want them to go, oh my God, Kristen was amazing. And she is. So it's like to keep extremely high service levels, okay? Because I'm tied up a lot. Kristen will be your main contact moving forward. If you have any questions about the loan, she will be there and she is equipped and she's adept to deal with any situation. However, in the event that you think you need to speak with me, I am always here for you. And I check in, I'll send a video text, which I think is really important. Hey guys, I know Kristen's taking great care of you. I'm just checking in. I see the loans approved. Everything's moving along great. Hope you're doing great. If you have any questions, let me know. And then we go through the process. Sandy, my processor on the back end is an absolute machine. And she doesn't have any contact with the borrower. Why? Because that's not her skill set. And that's a huge part of building a team. You have to understand who does what really well, what their gifts are, what their skill sets are. Kristen is amazing at talking to people. Kristen can also process. So there's a cross train there. So when Sandy's out, Kristen can do that. Sandy does not talk to borrowers. If Sandy talks to borrower, hey, I need your W-2. Who is that? Well, somebody just called us for W-2. That's how she is. But you go behind the curtain and dude, she is a triathlete. In this industry, I mean, she just boom, boom, boom. But that's her personality and her skill set. She doesn't deal with people. She deals with processes. She deals with timelines. That's what she does. And she is the best. So we don't have her talking to people. We have her pushing the machine day in and day out. And she loves it. If I had to do what she did, I'd have jumped off a bridge years ago. That's not my skill set. My skill set is talking to people, broad stroke, big picture stuff. She's intricate detail. So when you're building a team, I can't stress how important it is. I don't care how nice they are. I don't care how much you get along. I don't care if y'all can spend a month together in the same room. If they don't have the proper skill set to do that job, you're going to fail. They are not going to excel in that position. It's not going to happen. And the more you try to push it, the worse it's going to be. So it would be like having your offensive lineman get behind center and be a quarterback. No, 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 no. Get back where you belong, block and do your job, and let the quarterback do their job. So that's how you build a team. And it didn't happen overnight. And back to your point earlier, Marjorie, I'm gonna make a point, because when all that was going on, just like it is now in general, this stuff just didn't happen. I was constantly learning, reading, getting better. And again, 
the care thing is great, but there are systems and processes and techniques and things that you have to get better at things. You have to learn things. And that's what we're doing now. 20 and 21, we're an anomaly. And if anybody thinks that that was normal, they're in big, big trouble. So we've had to readjust. And I hate cliches, but it's so true. Back to basics, guys. Back to basics. This is what we've had to do. We've had to reconnect. Everything was way too easy. Way, way too easy. You put a sign in the yard and then boom, you got six offers, 10 offers, 20 offers. Barking puppy. I totally agree with you. I mean, when we look at it, oh, your puppy, what kind of puppy is it? I have five dogs, so I'm a huge dog person. So the key, of course, right people in the right place, everyone having the same goals and objectives. And I do think a lot of it is also getting out of our own way because I talk to so many people that are like, oh, no, no. The borrower always wants to talk to me. No, they don't. Frankly, they want to talk to the person that has the expertise in what they do. So on the realtor side, I can't take the photos and attend the inspection and follow everything to closing and manage all the details and be the one showing the houses and write the contracts and be strong in all of those things, right? And you wouldn't want me to do that, nor if I had more than two clients, does that work? So I think when you talked about it, how you introduce them and the setup at the beginning is key. We do videos. So if you go on our website, there's a video of every single one of our team members and what they do to get people to know who they are. And I agree with you as well. I think you did it right when the reviews are not about you. So we would talk to clients and clients would say, you're okay, but your brother's fantastic, right? You're okay, but man, we love Bethany. And I think we think, oh, that's bad. That's ultimate success. If the team gets the accolades, if they do such an amazing job, if the clients call the office and I'm like, wait, they didn't want to talk to me. Nope. I want to talk to Bethany. I want to talk to Brittany. I want to talk to Taylor. I want to talk to Jacques. That's team success because they're talking to that expert at that part of the transaction, purchase, sale, loan, or whatever. That is the expert, right? They don't always need you. And I think that they always need me is a little bit ego-driven, but it's also a lack of training and also potentially having the right person on the right seat of the bus. So the fact that you have that clear and figured out, and you also don't treat your team members as a means to an end. I see it way too often, you know, this contract to close, they're replaceable. This listing manager, I can get another one. It's like, no, you will never get to the pinnacle of success. They're like my sisters and brother. We're about to go shelling in Florida, right? Like we do things together, <laughs> right? Like people are like, oh, that sounds awful. I am not 900, but I love shelling. Like we do things together. We connect together. I care about them. I would do anything for them. They know this. And you have to be that way if they're going to do anything for your clients. Right. If they're going to do this, like you said, five star white glove service, you cannot treat your team members as a mean to an end. It won't happen. Well, all that stuff is so important and it's so true. And I remember I had a wall about four years ago and I invested in some coaching and it really changed the trajectory of everything I've done. And again, going back to everybody's skill set and what they do well, if I'm chasing a HOI binder and I'm chasing title work and I'm wondering why the appraisal, if I'm doing that, I'm not doing what I do best. And again, it's going to be agents and it's just going to be lenders on this call. And everybody can really relate to this. My coach said, you need to focus on two things. You need to focus on high value conversations and income producing activities. That's it. And if you're not doing that, you need to find somebody to do that stuff. Because me chasing a title bonder is not going to create income. Me chasing HOI bonders, and I'm telling you what, I pay these people very, very well. And I don't look twice at it because they're worth every penny of it. They are the lifeblood 
of our success. And I tell them yeah. that I'm at the bottom of the totem pole, you know, like well, without you, the deals aren't coming in without you. They're not getting done Yeah, at so, the level that they're getting done. Agreed. So it's, it's everybody making it happen. But again, you don't just wake up there. So I, I was doing everything myself. And I think that's great because now I know every facet, every nook and cranny. So if there is a problem, I can jump in and I'm a really good problem solver. And you have to be in this industry. I tell people all the time, I am a really overpaid problem solver. And somebody said something one day, I'll never forget it. Your income is directly proportionate to the complexity of the problems you can solve. The bigger problems you can solve, the more income you're going to have. Agreed. And again, I don't want to go off on an income thing. We're all here to make money. But when it comes down to it, it's my family and my team and what I can do to enhance their lives at the highest level possible. And that's where we're going. And that's what we're going to do. Agreed. So as we end, I want you to recommend a book that all the listeners need to read because it's made a difference personally or professionally for you. I tell you, back in the day when I was going through that trouble times, and I hate the word sales, and the author is Jeffrey Gidmer, and he has a bunch of these little books, and they're so easy to read, and they're so packed with like sales. I hate the word. I'm not in sales. We serve people. I cannot stand the word sales. Sales means like you're trying to get over on somebody. So those little books that Jeffrey Gitmer has, he's probably got about 10 or 12 of them. The Little Red Book of Selling, The Little Green Book of Connections. They're so easy to read and they're really, really impactful. And the thing is, it's great if you're just starting out, but it's also awesome. It's like a house that's been up for 30 years, but it's leaking. So you go back with the caulk and you reseal it. It's kind of like, I don't care if you're brand new. I don't care if you're old and you're veteran in it. You can always read those books and it either gets you to where, you know, some things I didn't realize or it kind of regalvanizes, like it takes you back to where, yep, that's right. I really have stopped doing that and I need to start doing it again. So they're simple, but man, they are just effective. Good. And we're not old, Tony. Just to be clear, we're young at heart. We are seasoned. We are young at heart. Yes, I am seasoned, <laughs> not old. Experience. That's right. Experience. Experience. Exactly. <laughs> well, Tony, I want to thank you so much. I mean, I love what you've gone through because it makes you who you are, right? Those of us who have gone through things like this, those who have been through tough markets, tough life circumstances, family things, and we've really taken care of people around us. That is what I respect you the most for. And I look forward to getting to know you better and spending more time with you. And I thank you. So guys, this brings us to the end of the episode. Let's all please thank Tony for joining me and continued success. And I can't wait to learn more from you because I think there's a lot you can teach me. And as always, thanks to everyone for listening to Real Estate Unscripted. Real Estate Unscripted is sponsored by Alcova Mortgage. Alcova is committed to simplifying the mortgage process. Check out the tools we offer to realtors and homebuyers at alcova.com slash realtors. Alcova Mortgage, Equal Housing Lender, NMLS ID number 40508, nmlsconsumeraccess.org. Before we go, please show us some love by subscribing on your listening platform of choice and leaving us a review on Apple Podcasts. Make sure you share this with your friends and be sure to listen in next week. Until then, this is Marjorie Adam. Don't forget to check out the show notes for a recap. This podcast was made possible by listeners like you. Thank you so much for your support.